Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Before we get started with another great edition of the Duke's Rosslyn podcast, I do want to let you know, Zencaster.com. That's right, Zencaster.com. They are, without a doubt, my favorite website to head over to for all of these great conversations that you hear on the Duke Loves Wrestling podcast. Superior quality and sound. Also, they have a great uh, video option as well if you need to record your videos. But the best part about it is the files are all split separately into MP3s. So you can edit them separately, you can put them together, do whatever you got to do. The main idea is Zencaster, Zencaster.com, that's Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R, for all of your podcasting, video conferencing, even if you just want to uh, have a great conversation with your loved ones. All your needs there online for communication, Zencaster has you covered. That's right. Locked in. Look at what we have here, folks. To the only show that matters. The cream of the crop. Duke loves wrestling. And there is no one that does it better than your host. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. The Duke. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Welcome back to the Duke Loves Wrestling podcast, the show about pro wrestling. And everything else. And let me tell you something, folks. The stuff that our friends down in Middle Kingdom Wrestling, China, they are doing some fantastic stuff. I mean, literally, Adrian and his team, they have developed the absolute best wrestling promotion, not only in China, but one of the top promotions in the world. And what I love about the promotion is that they are very serious about equitable diversity. You take a look at their roster from the very beginning and you just see a mixed bag of a little bit of everything there. And what's interesting is that they have black male singles wrestlers who are not just an afterthought, who are not just there for window dressing. This is legit. And I love it. You know, I got a lot of respect for those folks over at Middle Kingdom Wrestling and definitely get a lot of respect for the roster as a whole. And this week, you know, I want to highlight two of their top stars, Uncle Money and Zombie Dragon. Okay, these are two guys that are just so much fun uh, to talk to. These are two guys that are not to be played with, though. Okay, this isn't a joke. And you're going to find out exactly why. So let's start off with our first conversation with the one, the only Uncle Money. This is Uncle Money. The hit man, member of the stable, one of the top guys. I like to beat people up. That's what I do. You pay me the dollars, I go and beat up anybody you want. So I've always been a wrestling fan as a kid. You know, I would never miss, I would never miss Raw or SmackDown. Had all the action figures, the belts, I had everything. I was obsessed with it. And as a kid, I wanted to do it, but you know how black families are. You got to get a, go to school and get a real job, you know, which I end up doing anyway. But you know how black families are with that stuff. So, like, uh, my, my, my mom shot it down, and then I just kind of gave up on that dream. 
But uh, in college, um, I would just still think, hmm, maybe I do want to do this. You know, I, this is something I, I think I want to do. So um, I posted on Facebook um, about me wanting to do WWE or whatever, me want to be a wrestler. And the executive producer for this movie I did, um, he hit me up and he said he's going to like this indie wrestling show in Atlanta. And um, he said, you know, I should come with him and meet some of the guys, network with him or whatever. I was like, okay, that's that's cool. Uh, it was my first like indie show. I've been to WWE events, but I've never been to like a little indie show. So that was my first time at an indie show. So um, I go there and, you know, I had a good time. I liked it. You know, and then during intermission, I'm just walking around and this uh, this guy, he comes up and approaches me and he says, hey, are you a wrestler? I say no. And he says, do you want to be one? And I said, yeah. So he gave me his card and he said, you know, contact him after the show. So after the show, I hit him up and we meet up directly after the show and we get to just talking. You know, I tell him about my background in athletics and um, and even my acting background, I did a monologue for him. And, you know, we just talked and he told me, you know, more insights about the business or whatever. And then we just kept in contact. This was November 2015, by the way. Um, January 2016, he said, I'm going to book you in your first wrestling match. Now, I had no training. I mean, the, the only training I did was in the, the, you know, the backyard stuff with your, with your homeboys and stuff, you know, that stuff. But like, I got no proper training, nothing. So what he wanted to do was he wanted to do like the opposite. You know, most people, they go to wrestling school, learn the moves or whatever. Then they learn a gimmick. What he wanted to do was he wanted to get my character and my gimmick. That was the number one thing. Then after that, um, you know, work on the moves or whatever. So, um, so like we spent, you know, like weeks working on my character. We came up with my, you know, name, Uncle Money. Um, and that stemmed from, um, so, so how I got the name Uncle Money. I used to rap, you know, yeah, that's one of my secrets. I used to rap back in the day. My rap name was T Money. And after I stopped rapping, um, my friends and I, we, you know, came up with like, uh, what's the word? Like redneck names. Like I was Billy, my friend, my best friend, Raymond, his name was Bob. You know, we just come up with these stupid names. We just having fun. Then we came up with the family tree. Uh, he's everyone's dad and I'm his brother. So all his kids are my uncle or my nephews. So I'm uncle Billy. So we basically just combined the the uncle billy and t money and put in the uncle money that's how i actually got the name um and then we just created a character based off of that um so after we did character develop my character uh we filmed you know a ton of promos or whatever um we just did you know a lot of a lot of promos and after that uh my i was originally supposed to wrestle a guy named stitch i was supposed to wrestle him but um he had to pull out so uh, my first opponent was yours truly, Montez. He was my, um, a.k.a. Curry Zombie Dragon. He was my very first opponent. Um, and he had just got out of wrestling retirement to do this match for me. Uh, Alex, the guy that, you know, discovered me, 
uh, reached out to Montez, you know, asked him to do this favor. And Montez agreed, you know, to do it for me. He didn't even know me, know anything about me, but agreed to do it as a favor. So we worked on, this is my first match. We pretty much worked on, it was supposed to be just a squash match. Um, worked on like a few moves that, you know, I could do in this backyard. We worked on that and that was that. And um, yeah, so I remember my first match, uh, it was about two, I think about two hours. It was in um, Ringgold, Georgia, which is like in the middle of nowhere, up North Tennessee is Confederate, you know, they, it's the middle of nowhere. But um get there. My mom brings like the whole church. Uh, my mom, she she literally brings like the whole church, like all of them come out <laughs> to the to the match. Um, and went out there, uh, did my match, um, and it it, it went well. Um, the match, you know, it, it went well. It was my first match, you know. And uh, then to my surprise, my dad, who lives uh, in D.C. Um, he drove 10 hours to see the match. I didn't even know he was coming because he told me he obviously can't make it, but he surprised me. So I was like, whoa, he's here too. <laughs> like, so it was like good to, you know, see both of them. But, um, but yeah, they, my, both my parents were there and, you know, had a good match. My friends, they came out and I sold some merchandise uh, that, uh, that, that night as well. And yeah, it was, it was a, you know, good, a good thing. And then, after that, that's when I started, um, you know, continuing uh, wrestling. Then I started, you know, training more and I started wrestling a bit regularly. Um, I was wrestling primarily for a promotion uh, called PCW, Platinum Championship Wrestling, based out of uh, Porterdale, uh, Georgia. I was doing that um, for some time. And, you know, I was involved in their storylines and uh, stuff like that. So I was doing wrestling there. Then um, I got injured and I took a hiatus um, for the remainder of the year. And I'm taking a hiatus. And I didn't get back really into wrestling until I moved to China. So you, you moved to China and mm -hmm. you linked up with Middle Kingdom Wrestling, literally the number one promotion in all of China, one of the top wrestling promotions in the world. How yeah. the heck did you manage to get in there? When I confirmed that I'm moving to China, um, I still had the wrestling itch. So I was just Googling, you know, pro wrestling in China to see if, okay, can I wrestle out here? And I saw an article on LinkedIn. So I read the article and I saw the article was from, uh, from Big Sam. So I sent, uh, sent Sam a message on LinkedIn, you know, tell him, hey, you know, I'm a pro wrestler in Atlanta and, you know, I'm moving to China, blah, blah, blah. Then a few days later, Sam responded to me and he told me about the wrestling in China and whatever. And him and I stayed in contact, um, you know, before I moved, him and I just stayed in constant contact with each other. Then I moved to China and you know, still stayed in contact with him. Um, at this, when I first moved, I haven't even met him yet, but, you know, we still stayed in contact. Then he introduces me to Ash because Ash lives in Shenzhen as well as me. So um, he introduced me to Ash. I met Ash uh, for the first time. We hung out, developed a friendship from there. Then um, around, this, was, this, this all takes place August 2017, by the way. Then September... 2017 uh the wwe they come into town 
Uh, they come to Shenzhen. So before the WWE show, MKW hosts a um, like a meet and greet party with the wrestlers. So it was, you know, me, Ash, Sam, and Chairman Al. Um, you know, we were we were in attendance and we all went at the party. And at the party, that was my first time you know, meeting Sam in person. That was also my first time meeting Chairman Al. And then at that party, that's when we officially joined forces to form uh, the most dangerous group in Asia known as the stable. And since joining with them, um, that's how I got in with MKW. It all started with uh, a LinkedIn message from Sam. And, you know, here I am uh, almost five years later. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Um, one of the things that I cover here on, on Duke Loves Wrestling is, is diversity and inclusion and, and most importantly, equitable diversity. So not just the fact that you have various races and various cultures represented within a wrestling uh, promotion, but that everyone is given a fair opportunity to shine, to, pre to be presented as stars, to compete for top prizes and what have you. Talk to me about your place in Middle Kingdom Wrestling and, and from an equitable diversity standpoint, do you feel you have a fair opportunity in that promotion? So we, we do have different champions of other races. So, of course, I feel, you know, we have the fair opportunities. As far as I go, I feel that I personally haven't gotten a fair shot at anything you know, at the top level yet. I feel I haven't gotten that. Um, and I feel other people have told me multiple times that I should, you know, get this fair shot. Other people have told this, told me, have said this multiple times um, that I should. Um, and I haven't yet. And, you know, that's the, the one thing that uh, I feel as maybe holding me back somewhat because I'm not getting that, you know, fair shot that I feel that uh, I should get. Do you think that part of the reason why you're not getting a fair shot personally, because as, as you stated, you know, there is a lot of diversity within middle, middle kingdom wrestling. Uh, there are a diverse cast of champions that we've seen through the years. So, so that base is covered, but on a personal yeah. level, do you feel that uh, Middle Kingdom Wrestling um, head honcho over there, Adrian, is there some type of personal animosity with you because you're more handsome than him? You have bigger muscles. You have a stronger following. I mean, all the girls want to be with you. All the guys want to hang out with you. You're a rapper. You're, just, you're this, this super uber talented performer. And meanwhile, he's just some nerdy guy in the back who, yes, he's in charge <laughs> of promotion, but he, he's not, you know. He's not Uncle Money. He's not he's not the man who can who can make it work. Is it because Adrian is jealous of you? Do you feel that that's part of the reason why you haven't been given a fair shot at the MKW World Heavyweight Championship? Of course. I mean, when you're the top guy, the most popular, everyone, everybody want to be like you. You got, you know, this this little jabroni weenie that, you know, is hating he's going to try to hold, hold, hold you down. And, you know, that's how it is. The, when, when the little guy 
you know, has power. He wants to hold the top guy down. And that's what's happening. But at the end of the day, the fans are the ones that make the decisions. And the fans want to see Uncle Money at the top. And if the fans want it, can't no one stop it. Well, and I think that's important. I mean, listen, no disrespect to Adrian. He's a he's a hell of a guy. Okay. And he's done a hell of a job promoting Middle Kingdom wrestling in China. He's making major strides. He's doing things on a scale that very few promoters have been able to do around the world. So I take nothing away from him. But the bottom line is Uncle Money is box office. Uncle Money is marquee. Uncle Money makes it happen in the ring. He can party better than everybody has ever partied outside of the ring. There is no reason why Uncle Money shouldn't be uh, bestowed upon with an opportunity to challenge for the World Heavyweight Championship in Middle Kingdom Wrestling China. And at some point, Adrian is going to have to answer for that. Um, you know, th- this this political nonsense, we thought that Middle Kingdom Wrestling was going to be different, but I'm looking at Adrian kind of funny because he continues to find ways not to offer you a fair shot at the championship. So, you know, we got a problem here, Adrian, and, and at some point you're going to have to address it. And I hope that you address it sooner rather than later because, you know, Uncle Money is not the type of guy that's just going to sit back and keep putting up with this nonsense. He might have to put hands. He's a hater. After the show, the Shinjin show, I had seven guys looking for Adrian. And where did Adrian go? Adrian went into hiding. He went into hiding because he, he knew I had seven guys. You know, this don't even include the stable members that I could have. I, I could have had the stable go after him. We could have gone after I had seven guys go after him. And he and he went hiding. You know what I'm saying? Because he knew what the deal was. He knew he knew his time. But you know, this is what he does. He runs and hides. It's the politics, man. I'm telling you, it is the politics. These these promoters, it goes to their head. They want to be in control. And when they see somebody who is able to do the things that they they could only dream of doing, it's amazing how funny they start acting. So, you know, but I'm sure that you're going to sort it out there. And I appreciate you bringing up Big Sam. I mean, here's a guy that has done it all in Middle Kingdom Wrestling China. He has that Big Sam bomb, you know, that finisher move that has destroyed so many people. Um, you know, what, what's next for for the stable, especially if you end up becoming world heavyweight champion? Do you feel that you and Big Sam can continue your partnership? Or will you be in a position where you may have to put hands on Big Sam as well? So Big Sam is the KOPW champion and Ash is the Belt and Road champion. So what's next for me is to get the MKW champion. And once I get that, then all members of the stable are champions. And even better, Sam and I can go challenge for the tag team championships. And if we win those, then the stable, we're all just dripping gold. So there's room for all of us to eat. Like evolution, you know, they all had the belts, the stable, we all have the belts. See, and that's the way it should be, you know, because first you get the gold, then you get the money, then you get the honey. We already know what we're talking about here, man. Exactly. That's right. (laughs) That's right. Listen, I got a a serious question for you here, Uncle Money, because – when we talk about black history, um, oftentimes people 
rely exclusively on figures from the past, which is important because, you know, you, you, you acknowledge your past in order to understand where you've been so that you can, you can have a better understanding of where you need to go from there. But I think that relying on the past too much does not acknowledge the present enough. Why would we talk about black history in relation to people who are not even here or making moves, you know, anymore when we have someone like Uncle Money who every single time you step into a ring, you are living black history because you are a black man who went all the way to China and you set that whole nation on fire with the incredible way that you wrestle with the incredible way that you cut promos, the incredible way that you've been able to just mystify the fan base all over the world, man, you are living, breathing black history. Do you realize that? I really appreciate that. I didn't even, you know, when you're doing it, like, you know, all this stuff, you don't ever get a chance to just sit back and think, you know, I guess I am a pioneer to, you know, black history in China out of all places. That does mean a lot that I'm, you know, one of the pioneers that's doing something in China as a black man. Why don't you let everybody know what's the best way that they can keep up with you online and follow your career? Because there is just a tremendous appetite for more wrestling that is beyond flippy dippy peanut butter skippy nonsense that we see a lot of times yeah, in the states. Stuff. Yeah. yeah, you know, that nonsense there. Let everybody know how they can catch some of the real stuff from Uncle Money out there at Middle Kingdom Wrestling. Instagram, I have two accounts. Pay Uncle Money. My other one, T underscore Williams 3222. I also have a couple YouTube channels. First YouTube channel is Trey's Travels. Y'all can check that out. And, you know, you can see the backs, the, the behind the scenes of all the wrestling. You know, you guys can see that. Um, my other one, comic book sports. You know, for those that like boxing or MMA, I talk about those topics. You can find me on Instagram or YouTube. His name is Uncle Money. He is one of the top stars in Middle Kingdom Wrestling China. He's one of the top stars in all of pro wrestling. This man is living, breathing black history. I appreciate you for joining me this week on Duke Loves Wrestling. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. How fantastic was that? Once again, shout out to Uncle Money of Middle Kingdom Wrestling China. And we're going to keep this train going because our next guest is the one, the only zombie dragon. My name is the Devil Weight. Zombie Dragon in Chinese, that is Zhang Shu Long. Uh, I have been wrestling for 14 years now from Atlanta, now living in Harbin, China, the longest reigning world champion in Chinese pro wrestling, the first American pro wrestler in Vietnam, and so on, so on. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and IG as Zombie Dragon. Say that in Chinese again for me, please. Oh, Zhong Shu Long. Zhong Shu Long. Long is a dragon and Zhong Shu is zombie. So Zhong Shu Long. Zhong Shu Long. That's exactly right. Okay, listen, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do my John Cena over here, man. I'm, I'm going to learn the language <laughs> so I can take over the movie world. Okay, that's what we're going to do. 
That's oh, what we're going to do. Listen, oh, man, man, it's 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 really um fun to have you on the show because you're you're a celebrity, brother. Yeah, man, I, I'm I'm glad to finally be on. I've seen your I've seen your group on social media and everything, and so it's pretty cool to have a uh, MKW reach out and want to have me interviewed. So it it means a lot. You know, Black History Month being uh, one of the spotlighted or highlighted wrestlers, man. You know, I wonder about that. Is it is it clear? Because you you have your mask and I and I understand that, you know, you're you're like um, Batman in a sense that you have to keep your identity uh, very close to the to the vest. You know what I mean? You don't want too many people to know who you really are because you are a, a real life superhero. Um is it clear to the folk over there that Zombie Dragon is a black man? Absolutely not. <laughs> most, of them, <laughs> most of them think I'm Chinese, man. I get messages all the time in Chinese and I respond in Chinese. And uh, there was a there was a, a voting thing, like a poll for last year. Like, who was the best foreign wrestler? And they had Zombie Dragon on there. Fans were like wait zombie dragons a foreign wrestler so they probably think i'm like a chinese person from like another country or something like that but yeah they they don't understand that i'm a black guy it doesn't compute that is fascinating to me and it, and it's you know i asked that question not knowing what the answer would be but i, I was curious about it because you are tremendously popular um so so i was yeah. curious about that how do you think they would react if they knew it's the mask that does it. Even if they knew like it's a black guy under it, they wouldn't really care because they're so uh, entrapped into the character and it doesn't move like, you know, a stereotypical human. And they just like really get behind. They don't care if you're black or not or, or white or not, especially when they're watching wrestling. Normally, when there's like wrestling going on, the prejudice usually dies down quite a bit and uncle money he's a good example because he's a big black guy and the first time i seen him wrestle in china the crowd went insane and they thought he was a baby face with he was a heel so they wouldn't really care if they found out it was a black guy they'll they'll still they'll they'll think i'm pulling one over their their eyes they'll think that i'm lying to them like nah we know he's chinese <laughs> it's it's funny it's funny because the thing about China is that, you know, for we Americans, there's so much that we don't know. Right. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's so much we don't know. And, and I know as a as a black man, I, I am curious about from a cultural standpoint, how that goes, how how what is the the experience of black folk who live over there? But we get glimpses um, from basketball players. We get glimpses from from. Um, you know, folks who were in mixed martial arts and, and now with with you and, and, and like you said, Uncle Money, Bufa, we're, we're starting to get glimpses from wrestlers. Just what is the black experience actually living in China? So it's pretty cool. You know, again, one of the one of the most famous athletes in the entire nation over there uh, is Zombie Dragon, who is a, a black man. This is something else, man. How long did it take you to get adjusted over there? I mean, when you when you moved from because I know you're originally from Atlanta, Georgia, right? Yep. Atlanta, Georgia. How long would you say before you actually felt like, you know, something? This is my home uh, now. And, and, and I feel like I'm actually part of the overall culture here. It, it took a while to get adjusted, you know, Um you know, the first thing was the timing difference. It was, it was like a full 12 hour difference 
time-wise from Atlanta. So uh, that first like week or so, I was I was pretty out of it. But the cool thing is everybody was pretty welcoming, man. Um, I was surprised by that. Um, it took me a while to get used to society um, because I didn't quite understand Chinese yet or the culture. So like, I like to I like to walk. I like to go outside and you know get fresh air and walk. But anywhere I go, like you know, people would stare at you and they would say stuff, and you know, it makes you really uncomfortable. And people would um. There, there's another thing in the culture here, at least in in the northeast area where I am, people will take their cell phones out and record you. And you know, this is pre-COVID, so there are a lot of people outside. You're trying to just you know go to a restaurant, and people are just like filming you and looking at you and saying this stuff and you don't know what's going on and you just try to be to yourself and that took that took you know a couple of months to really um to really get adjusted to it and um eventually I learned more Chinese and kind of understood what they were saying they were actually uh making compliments most of them say oh handsome person and stuff like this so I was really surprised by that and um for the most part, every time I was going out pre-COVID, everything was pretty peachy, I'd say. Talk to me about the food. I mean, I, oh. I know that, you know, when, when Zombie Dragon is not out there winning championships and, and setting the world on fire with, with the amazing, amazing acrobatics and just overall fantastic wrestling. Oh, man. The, the food. The What's food. up? That's, that's my favorite part. All right, let's start. All right. So. One of my favorite foods. I never ate this back home. You you can never get me to eat tofu back home. But the restaurant, the barbecue restaurants here have what they call a fish tofu, which we call a yudofu. It's a fish tofu. And man, it is amazing. Besides that, a hot pot or a horgor. Um, I don't know if you know what that is. It's when you got oh, yeah. one big pot, you know, you put everything in there. I love that. Yoshinoya, one of my favorite chain restaurants from Japan. <clears throat> Excuse me. They have a couple of those out here. And that's one of my favorite places. Just get some quick beef, onions and rice. Uh, let's see what else. Pepper lunch. I don't know if you heard about that one. They have this really nice curry omelet that is to die for. And my wife, she's also uh, a cook. So she cooks, man, uh, stuff that I would never eat back home. Like it, I never eat eggplants. I never even touch an eggplant. But she makes like <laughs> this, man, she makes like eggplants with this and that. And I'm like, oh my God, this is good, man. What is this? Like egg and man, there's so many food dumplings. Um, there's a, a the round circular dumpling, which we call balsa. Those are really great. Uh, man, there's just so many. Like, like especially in this northeastern area, there's just restaurants literally everywhere. Every step, there's a restaurant everywhere. Did it did it take your your stomach any time to get adjusted because you are eating different types of food? I mean, you know, here in America, the, the way that we grow our food, um, the way that we raise our animals. So, you know, the, the, the meat itself is full of antibiotics and all kinds of other stuff. There's just a lot of there's stuff, actually, you know, two things I can't eat here um, that just would screw me up. The first one was cake. And that one was rather surprising. 
Like most pastries, I just can't, I can't deal with. I don't know if they leave them out too long or, or what they use for the cream, but it screws me up every single time. So I can't eat the cakes and I can't eat what they, they have a, a cold barbecue. It's a really weird meal. Just imagine like barbecued meat, but it's cold. I can't eat it. And I tried it. We were, me and my wife and uh, some of our friends went to um, Chongqing city in China. And I, you know, I just wanted to try it. And by the time I got to the hotel, I was just throwing up everywhere. My wife was like, you sound like, like a real zombie dragon. <laughs> 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 so I, I was like, okay, I, I can't do that. But besides that, every, everything else uh, has been pretty easy to digest, even if it was my first time. Because my stomach, man, it's like an iron cast. I pretty much eat uh, everything. <laughs> That is wild. That is wild. So of all things, like you said, cake, do do you think it has to do with the dairy itself or do you think that there's something else to it? It might be the dairy. It might be the dairy because I noticed like the ice cream doesn't taste the same here. Like just plain vanilla ice cream is, you know, it's one of my favorites and I can only eat it if it comes from McDonald's. If it comes from anywhere else, I just, it has this really different taste to it and i i think it's the dairy that really just uh, gives me like this real vomity feeling man that is so interesting uh, but which listen that's that's a that's a small uh portion of the overall food that you can eat so the fact that yeah. you can eat you know 99 percent of what's out there and it's just a little bit of this and a little bit of that you got to stay away from um, right that's cool what, what about candy you know i'm always interested in in different types of candy hmm. i'm a ginger guy um, so anything related to ginger, I'm going to get into, and, and it really wasn't until I started going into Asian markets here in the Boston area that I started to learn that there was a lot of different varieties of fruit and, and herbal candies and, and even, you know, ginger, you know, they, they, Man. they roll it in sugar and then you just, it, it's literally raw ginger. You just eat it. Uh, is, is that the case actually in China? Yeah, man, you can get pretty much all of that stuff. I'm actually looking. I'm actually looking at my stash now. Like, <laughs> like a stash of food. Because when well, when COVID hit, me and my wife went, you know, panic crazy, and we got a bunch of uh, food, water, snacks, just everything. But I really like some of the snacks, man. They got some of the ones we have back home, like um, let's say Dove chocolate or Hershey's, like we have back home. But they'll have like fancier flavors like they'll have like a green tea flavor or ginger oh, yeah. flavor oh yeah oh, yeah even yeah. at the um even at the mcdonald's like with the apple pies they had uh not a green tea which is called a mocha pie and a peach something they they have like their own uh culture with oh and especially the chips holy crap Talk crawfish, crawfish, man. <laughs> I'm talking about it. Every type of Lay's. Like I used to see those memes of Lay's making all these random flavors. They really do exist. I've seen all of those random flavors, man. That Everything you think of, they got it, man. So, 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 so what's the craziest uh, flavor potato chip? When I say crazy, I mean different. I mean unusual. Something that you would never see here. Ooh. What that you've tried? Not that you've seen, but you've actually tried yourself. I don't think I've tried anyone that crazy, but I can tell you the craziest thing I've eaten. Okay. And that was a, um, a barbecued, uh, 
scorpion oh or it was centipede yeah the scorpion it was a scorpion i how was it well i mean i've had chocolate covered scorpions so I, i'm familiar yeah but, i wish it was chocolate was on there <laughs> no <laughs> wasn't no chocolate on that bad boy <laughs> that was a shell <laughs> it tasted like it, it tasted like what I expected a scorpion to taste like. So oh no! Was, was there mush in the middle? Was it mushy? Yes. Oh, I ate the um. What do you call those bugs? Those pupae bugs? Those little yeah. fat bugs? Yeah. Um. What happened was I used some in my I came up with this idea for Adrian. I was like, we had a, a what's it a four way fatal four way match? Yeah. And I saw people. Uh, gathering those bugs and eating them and cooking them. So I was like, jokingly, Adrian, give me a, a just a bag of those bugs. And he brought them. And then we used them in the match. And somebody slammed me on them and they just went pop and it's squishy and shit. And I was like, how can people eat this? And I moved to um, a, a beach like city <laughs> called Juhai in the south. And we went out with a friend and he ordered them and he was grilling them and shit. And he was like, you want to try it? I was like, yeah, I tried one. And I was like, man, God has put cows, beef, pork, chicken, and all of this on the earth. Why are we eating these bugs? I'll never eat this again, man. Wow. That is a trip. That is a trip. <laughs> it, 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 the best part, like you said, with the scorpion in particular, it tasted as as you expected it to taste, which was. <laughs> it did, man. I, 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 I was thinking this thing about to rock my world, man. Right, like, this, right. this scorpion about to curl my toes, man. <laughs> Scorpion, I never eat that again. Listen, it it it, it, it taught you a big lesson, man. Don't just just say no, okay? Yeah, yeah, no. you ain't lying. Yeah. You ain't lying. What, what what about the what about the um the adult beverages out there? So, oh, you know, whether we talking the beers or the whiskey or what have you, I, I'm familiar with with Japanese beer and whiskey and and things like that. But what's the what's the drink out there if 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 folks are going out for drinks? Well, beer is definitely the drink, especially so the city I'm in, Harbin, is very famous for their beer. Harbin okay. beer is famous throughout the country. And so there's usually a beer festival every year where people fly into this city and they try the different beers. But their beer is pretty rich. Um, what else? They have a couple of wines that are uh, gaining more, more traction. I think it's called... I think it's called Red Fox. I can't remember the name of it. They have a couple of uh, international brands like Korean sure, brands. Sure, that are yeah, popular. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Ichiban, seen, Ichiban. Yeah, Ichiban. From, yeah, I know. I've seen that Sapporo. All that stuff is over there too. I know. I'm sure you can find a bottle of sake around somewhere. I haven't been able to find any, but so is it. Uh, so is the harder liquor like a like a sake, which I think that's a that's a rice wine. Is that type yeah, of stuff it's, not it's, as uh, prevalent out there? No, it's it's the it's just the beer is more popular. Interesting. Very very it's interesting. Very very popular. Extremely popular. Wow, wow, that's cool. You know, I'm I'm fascinated by these things, and and I think that. There are a few things in life, no matter where you are in the world, no matter where you're from, that translate. You know, it's a it's a gateway into people understanding better what's going on. And, and you know, you could try with music. You could try with sports. But food, man, food is the number one <laughs> thing that if you if you talk to somebody about the food, they can get a much better picture of how it is over there. That's very true. That's very true, man. 
And as far as like the beer, I'll give you I'll give you a funny story. So um, I'm actually not a drinker, right? I believe it. I don't, you know, drink beer or anything like You're that. You're a world-class athlete. You're one of the most right, powerful athletes athlete. in the whole country. You can't be. <laughs> you should <yo>. be drinking. <laughs> I went to, I went to, um, went to Nepal one time, right? Ooh. And uh, I'll never forget this. My flight was booked with someone who's, who's a bit too excited, and he got quite annoying. And this flight ended up being like maybe – it was well over 12 hours. It was way too long. It was longer than it should have been. And we flew from China to Tibet to Nepal. And it was so annoying because he recorded every single second of our flight. And when we touched down, uh, I remember I found some Indian guys who just so happened to be a part of the show. And I'm like, we're going drinking. I was like, let's go. Never drink in my life. I'm just throwing them back. Bam, bam. Bam. I don't even know what it's like to be drunk. So I'm just going boom, 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 boom. So I stand up and I'm like, well, this is incorrect. <laughs> I have a system malfunction. Guys, can you get me back to the arena? And so uh, one of the head Indian guys, he knew a little about wrestling. So he's like, yeah, zombie, let's let's uh, let's go in the ring. So he tried to wrestle me while I was drunk and I'm just kicking this guy's ass and, and, and in a wrestling situation, I'm not sure. really kicking his ass, but sure. everything looks just as smooth as it would if I'm not drunk. And we're staying at this really nice villa. I mean, this place is immaculate and it's in the capital in Kathmandu and uncle money, uh, big Sam and, 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 uh, big Michael Sue, they're all carrying me back to the villa. And I am just wasted. I and I see. I felt so bad about this man. There's this lady. She's doing the flowers in the flower pot outside, and I threw up right inside <laughs> of the pot. And I was like, I'm so so sorry. <laughs> I go to my room and just go to sleep, man. It was insane. That is wild. That and that was your first time getting drunk. That was that was my first time drinking and getting drunk. Oh my god, that is a story. <laughs> that is a story. Well, thank God she didn't know that you were the zombie drunk. <laughs> she would have stabbed me in my sleep. <laughs> in a zombie for real. You know what I'm saying? That would have been the it for you. Now, wait a second. Is, is your wife from here or is she from over there? No, actually, my wife's uh, she's Chinese. She's from Beijing. Wow. OK, so because we were talking about the different types of food that she cooks. Yeah. So that's interesting. No, no wonder you hadn't had eggplant before and, and, and what have you. That just wasn't part of the menu. Yeah, man, that was never part of the menu. I didn't know this was an option. <laughs> these are choices. I can make these. <laughs> now, wait a second. Let's flip. Let's flip it for a second. Now, do, do you okay. bring do you bring any of that Atlanta cooking uh, to her now? Have you have you showed her anything from back home? Yeah, man. She likes um the sausages, the wings. The one thing that she really likes in particular, and this one, man, has killed me. We went back in, um, I want to say, yeah, 2019. And it was the most random thing. I know she likes chicken, right? We go to, um, we go to Walmart. I'm like, let me get some, um, let me get some wrist tape, a few things for the guys, whatever. And at the checkout line, there's this section of rotisserie chickens. So she was like, I want some chicken. So I'm like, okay. And she picks up this whole, this whole ass rotisserie chicken. And I look at her and say, are you going to eat that whole chicken? And I swear to God, man, she took that 
that show was in Alabama. She drove from Atlanta to Alabama smacking on a whole ass rotisserie chicken from Walmart and then was able to cross back in the state line to go back to the house with this same chicken. She was offering people a slice. And I was <laughs> like, she was like, this chicken is so good. I've never had chicken this good. I'm like, baby, that's Walmart chicken. That ain't even that ain't even on the list of the best chicken in Atlanta. Well, yeah, man, she gets, she gets to try some of the Atlanta stuff. And sometimes um, I like to order stuff from back home and get it sent here. And uh, it takes a while. It takes like a month or two to get here. But, man, it all it's always worth it, dude. I mean, I can't imagine that the hot sauce or even the barbecue sauce out there tastes the same as it does here. No, nah, it, it's completely different sauce. It's yep. completely different. Yep. Yep. So so that that I mean, the flavor profile, when you put that on the meat over there, that's a whole new world, brother. That's the best Man. of both worlds now. Right? You ain't lying. Wow. <laughs> you ain't lying. That is a trip. That is a trip. See, because I noticed that, um, you know, whether it be in China, whether it be uh, in, in Japan, whether it be you know Hong Kong, people love, like you said, they love to record things they love to record themselves doing everyday basic stuff um and eating is a, is a is a big thing on youtube in particular there's mukbang and there's all kinds of this other shows you know you know oscar in the wwe uh, yeah she got Anna. her youtube show she got her youtube show where half the time she's eating stuff um yep. which is really really interesting because again if you're not used to it it is an adventure and it, and it, yeah, and it is it's something to see man you know, man, I can't believe like I've eaten some of the stuff. Like if you would have told me, uh, you know, 2017 that I'd be, you know, traveling the world, eating all this exotic food, you know, being able to sleep on beaches and villas and all that. I wouldn't believe it. I'd be like, man, you must got me mixed up with somebody else. But yeah, man, the food is an adventure because there's culture within the food. You know what I mean? So it's cool to to go to places like you said, Hong Kong or mainland China or Japan and experience the food and you can just you can just kind of taste the culture if that makes sense i love it i love that i love that 100 percent. you know it we're in black history month as you know the month of february um yep. and you know hopefully it's a time of a reflection for everybody just to think about where we've been as a people and where we can go but one of the things that I'm really focused on this year in particular is, is to remind ourselves of where we are. And I had a conversation earlier with Uncle Money, and I said something that blew him away. And I'm going to hit you with the same thing. Zombie Dragon, do you realize that you, every single day that you do what you do, especially out there in China, you are living in experiencing black history. I agree with that. And it's crazy because you're not you're not even the first or even the third person who's told me that. And that's why I work twice as hard. You know what I mean? Not just for me. You know, that's a bit selfish. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I appreciate the success, but I'm doing it for others because, you know, oftentimes I get messages from people back home, uh, friends from back home, and they're like, man, just seeing you do it, you know, that keeps me going. You know, I want people to achieve not only what I have, I want you to achieve more than what I got. You know what I mean? I want us, I want us to go higher and higher. So, you know, every day I'm alive promoting, doing this thing, man, 
I realized that there's going to be there's going to be a day where maybe I'll retire and there'll be a young boy or a young girl who wants to come into pro wrestling and they might find out about me and see what I've done. And that may be the thing that projects them into this life of, I hope, infinite success. That's dope. That's dope, man. I, I tell you, um, you're a good dude. And, and, you know, it's funny because Jabari, a.k.a. Big Bear, big f- uh, friend of the show here from the Nation of African-American uh, Wrestling, NAW, yep. he's a big supporter of yours. He and his wife, um, they spent a number of the past few years here really mentioning zombie dragging and, and, and making sure that folk here in the States keep your name front of mind. Um, they yeah. don't, they don't allow people to forget that you're doing your thing out there. And I, and I, yeah, I commend yeah. them for that because it's, it's truly, it's, it's something that we all need to do for one another. Talk to me about, about uh, nod and about Jabari. I mean, how do you feel about that group and, and, and what do these folks mean to you? So <clears throat> I remember like, as soon as I joined that group, I was a little established with the character at the time, but as soon as I joined the group, man, it was weird. It was like, it was like family. And that's weird. Cause I don't, I don't uh, join a lot of Facebook groups. I'm in a lot of them, but I don't actively engage. People just added me into them and I'm just like too lazy to leave. But that's the only group on Facebook that I'll actually engage with, man. And they'll have some really good discussions and everything. And Jabari, man, he's always him and him and Minnie Mac, his wife, they've always been supportive man they've i've come out with new designs they've been on the merch game uh twitter they're constantly uh they're constantly doing promotional work for not just myself but other wrestlers man like that whole group is great for us to have and i've told him this recently there's nothing else like it you know that's crazy like for just based on african-american wrestlers it's like just them and that's crazy and he said he's glad to be in the background, you know, being able to show support and not being like front and center. And I told him, you know, as a performer, that does a lot for us. Um, you don't understand like how much of a morale boost professional wrestlers or people in general need, especially during these times. So for wrestlers to know that even though they're weaving through BS on a weekly basis, yeah, there is a group for them. There is a group of fans and administrators who support them. That makes them want to go out there and do a better job. And when we see Jabari and his wife or any of the group members coming to these indie shows, these live shows, man, you could see it in the performance of the wrestlers because you see your people out there. So you want to put in 110%. So in W in AAW, has done more for us than any other group on social media that I can think of. Absolutely. hundred percent, hundred percent. And the thing is, like you said, um, despite all of the hard work, one of the things that's a focus is that Jabari and the crew, they, they lay in the background. They make sure the spotlight is always on the wrestlers. And I, I tip my hat to that. That's, that's beautiful, beautiful stuff. Yeah, there, man. man. So, so Middle Kingdom Wrestling, I mean, what, what can we expect in 2022 um, from Zombie Drag? I'm just probably going to kill everybody. No, I'm not going to kill everybody because <laughs> there's no more competition. 
well, listen, I, you know, I heard uh, I heard Uncle Money say something about he's going to start smacking people because um, oh, he's, he's getting a little fed up. People. Yeah, he was saying he's going to start smacking, popping people, man. So so I don't know if, if you were on that list, but I'm just giving you I a mean, heads up. I, I hope. I hope I am on this list. See, I didn't tell you about what I did to him in the Kingdom Rumble. See, uh oh, uh oh. See, MKW made a mistake. They made Zombie Dragon the first person to be out, the first person to enter the Kingdom Rumble of 30 men. And I'm like, do you realize that you just gave me 29 other people to decimate? And of course, Uncle Money's in there, right? You know, he's all big, strong. But he tired. It's it's a this is that's a long game, right? <laughs> so he in the corner just trying to rest. And here I come trying to mess his whole day. I put my boot on his throat and I said, I, I leaned in real close, just out of camera shot. And I can see him gasping for air. And I looked at him and said, I got your big booty ass now. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you are on his list then, because yeah, he, he sounded pretty. <laughs> yeah, I'm probably I'm probably number one on that. Move. <laughs> Listen, well, I can't wait to see it, man. I, I'll tell you, I tip my hat to all you guys. Your folks are doing such a great job as a as a collective over there in Middle Kingdom Wrestling in China. And, you know, just the, the fact that there are so many fantastic black wrestlers in that company who get an opportunity to showcase what they can do. Um, you're not an afterthought. You're, you're not the the primary losers. You're not the, the people that... Um, aren't as important as everybody else. It's the complete right. opposite. You know what I mean? I see I see a lot of equality. I see a lot of equity. I see a lot of fairness coming out of that company. And just the fact that the promoter, Adrian, was adamant about having you you fellas on Duke Loves Wrestling to, to celebrate Black history that's happening in Middle Kingdom wrestling. And that's happening in China um, in general. It's a beautiful thing, man. So I, I really appreciate you taking the time to have this conversation, Zombie Dragon. I know it's it's the wee hours of the morning all the way over there. Uh, what time is it? Like 3 a.m.? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, Zombie Dragons, we don't sleep, man. We just... You're a zombie. How could you? You're a zombie. <laughs> we don't you know? sleep. That's nice. Listen, man, before I let you go, you got any shout out for, for your family back home? Yeah, man, I'm my, my son. He probably won't hear it, but um, I hope he gets to hear it and he keeps to do well in school. I hope the left hand path, you know, stays on the right path. <laughs> no pun intended. And uh, Eric Silva, I hate you. And that's about it. <laughs> there he is. His name is Zombie Dragon. Eric Silva, <laughs> you better watch your back because he does hate you. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, that's one of my guys, man. I just, I just like to troll them every single waking day. <laughs> <laughs> awesome stuff there by Zombie Dragon. Once again, thank you, Uncle Money, Middle Kingdom Wrestling China, folks. You gotta check them out. MKW. I'm telling you, it's one of my favorite promotions. They just do such a wonderful job, and they continue to grow, which is what I love about them the most. Duke loves wrestling on Twitter, on Facebook. Duke loves wrestling at gmail.com. Let me know what you think. We celebrate the, the folks out there who are doing the right thing. You know, that's what it comes down to. Here on this show, you will get a mixed bag of different personalities that are in the wrestling industry, that are associated with the wrestling industry, from journalism, from entertainment, professional sports, you name it. Okay, that's what you get at Duke Loves Wrestling. And as you heard this week, we will go all the way to China to highlight the folks doing the right thing. That's right. 
I got a special surprise for you coming up Sunday for all you Valentine's Day folks, all the lovers in the house. Check me out on Sunday. Get a special, special conversation to air for you. Until then, be kind to yourselves. Be kind to others. Take it away, Tony Schiavone. This is Tony Schiavone, and we're desperately out of time on Duke Love Wrestling. <laughs>